The maker of Camry, Corolla, Prius has a big announcement. No, it's not another new car. It's a city. And this first-of-a-kind futuristic utopia will be built in Japan. Smart cars meet the smart city. Akio Toyota, the president of Toyota Car Manufacturer, based in Japan, has a dream, a city of the future. Toyota broke ground on the 175-acre plot of land at the base of Mount Fuji last week to launch the first step of that dream. Woven City is its name, fully sustainable, underground roads for delivery vehicles, fully automated homes and stores, population up to 2,000, they hope. Times, they are a-changing, but not really. President Toyota says the city is fundamentally human-centered, since the Tower of Babel, we've been obsessed with the work of our own hands. Only Christ can bring utopia, paradise. It's found in a city whose builder and maker is God Almighty. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this first day of March, we're starting a new series called Eternity Before Us. Mention the word Puritan to someone today. And what would be the first words you hear back? Joyless? Severe? Fanatical? Dark? Some might even say they were people haunted by the fear that someone, somewhere, might be happy. Sadly, that's the Puritan reputation in our world today. But when you actually look at the writings and the daily lives of these devoted Christians, you might be surprised to discover the joy they had in Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to talk with someone who knows the Puritans very well. No, he's not from the 17th century, but he helped produce a new documentary about them that will help you better understand just who the Puritans were. The Puritans were gospel-centered, Christ-centered. Asking that question, how do I honor God with, with my home life or with my work life? And following Christ with an eternal perspective a heavenly mindedness. He's a book publisher, a pastor, and a documentary producer. David Woolen will be back with us in a moment to talk about the Puritans, to help us better understand who they were, how they lived with eternity before them, and why they're still relevant for us to know today. It's a God entranced heart, and a God entranced stomach, and a God entranced ears and eyes, and all of life and experience is. God in entranced. They had a revolutionary, more biblical view of what it means to be a Christian. Are you interested in knowing the Bible? Are you interested in knowing Christ? Do you want someone to attend to the care of your soul? Then you're going to want to get to know the Puritans. A couple of excerpts from the film called Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God. After this program, I want to send you a copy of this feature-length documentary when you make your tax-deductible gift to this ministry. Our number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website and watch an extended trailer for Puritan, and you can make your gift then at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And a little reminder, 
We still have Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly book and audiobook for your gift as well. If you're yearning to know the heart of Jesus better, then you need to read this book right away. And now let's begin this haven today with Matt Boswell and Sovereign Grace, O Great God. O Great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Own it all and reign supreme, conquer every rebel power. Let no vice or sin remain That resists your holy war You have loved and purchased me Make me yours forevermore I was blinded by my sin Had no ears to hear your voice Did not know your love within Had no taste for heaven's joys Then your spirit gave me life Opened up your word to me Through the gospel of your Son Gave me endless hope That's dependent on your grace Keep my heart and guard my soul From the evils that I face You are worthy to be praised With my every thought and deed Oh great God of highest heaven Glorify your Words coming from the Puritan poetry book called The Valley of Vision. That's Matt Boswell with Sovereign Grace and O Great God. This is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. We're calling the program Eternity Before Us. Now, I want us to meet with someone who was born in the Yorkshire Dales, not far from where the famous veterinarian James Harriet practiced. James Harriet of all creatures great and small. David Woolen is a Christian publisher and pastor who now lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's also a big fan of the Puritans, which worked out well since he's one of the producers of a well-made documentary about them. Reverend David Woolen, welcome for the very first time to Haven Today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Charles. Well, first of all, how did the Puritans get such a bad rap in secular history? Yeah, that's true. Uh, when when you look at the even the term Puritan, it began as a slur, as an insult. And over time, 
the the Puritans came to embrace that term because they they began to think, well, yeah, yes, we we do want to be pure. Um, but when you look at secular history, and you can you can find quotations very very easily from Oscar Wilde or others like Nathaniel Hawthorne in the Scarlet Letter, or even Shakespeare mentions the Puritans, and none of it's complimentary. <laughs> and you know the, these are people who were living distinctly from the rest of the world, but but for good reason. And even though they were chastised and, and put down, there is there is something about them, despite their weaknesses, and you know, we they do have weaknesses, <laughs> it's just despite that, we still have much to learn from these men uh, over a period of just over a century. Uh, much we can learn today in our own Christian walk. Well, when did they live? Where did they come from? Did some of them really sail on the Mayflower to discover America? <laughs> well, okay. If if you want to be strict, when we talk about the Puritans, we're talking about a few hundred, maybe a couple of thousand English pastors. Now, we need to go a little bit broader than that because we can say there are many Puritan-like people, and we can pull those from uh, Scotland and uh, Wales and uh, the Netherlands, and then, as you hinted, over to, to the U.S. But strictly, it is the English Puritans, but many other people quack like a duck, if you like. And um, we can see the distinctive marks of Puritanism in the period really beginning after the Reformation. So there was that rekindling of the same truths that, were, that have always been true, in the pre-reformers, in in Huss and Waldo and and Wycliffe, and they then fed into the the Reformation with Calvin and Luther and Zwingli and and others, and those reformers took the pillars of the faith and said these are the key things that that we must believe, and then we have sort of that intervening period towards the end of the 16th century. Where, where it transforms into Puritanism. And so we have men like Lawrence Chederton at Cambridge University, who not many people have heard of. But if you go into that grass courtyard at Emmanuel College and walk through into the chapel, you can see stained glass windows with Thomas Cranmer and Hugh Latimer on there. And then you look down at your feet and there's a memorial to Lawrence Chederton, who mm-hmm. lived at that time to over 100 years old and trained many of these Puritans and from those hotbeds of places like Cambridge and, and Oxford, you have men like William Perkins, the father of Puritanism, beginning to build on top of these pillars of the faith. You know, we, we know the solas of the Reformation and, and, and these kind of truths that we have. But what they, the Puritans then do is they take that theology and apply it to every single area of life. It's like, okay, this is all true. We've now realized the errors of what was happening in the church. How then should I live? How should it impact me, my family, my church, my work life, every area of life? That, that was their intent. David, what was going on in the church? It was just after the Reformation. Why did they still feel a need to purify the Church of England? And why did people like John Bunyan end up in prison? Others even worse. Yeah, uh, 
you see this in in men like um, John Knox, which is obviously before Puritanism in Scotland, but he did spend some time in England. One of the issues that the Puritans had was very similar to Knox in that Elizabeth I, much earlier, said, yeah, I like many of these Reformation truths, but in reality, she didn't want that much to to change. And so it's been described as a a half-baked Reformation. And, And so... These men in, in the 16th century, they, they were persecuted for all that they believed and all that they preached. And, and I believe it was Calvin's seminary in Geneva, where the average lifespan of a student graduating from there was less than two years as he sent them back into France to preach. And that persecution continued against the church. Again, and then obviously the politics feeding into here, Charles I, Charles II, and not wanting to give up power and the, the Puritans taking over parliament and holding the purse strings. And so there's, there's tensions on multiple sides here. But if we just consider the church side, people were the same as they are now. There, there are many people today, as, as back then, who are nominal in their faith. Half-inch thick Christianity mm. is not reaching the heart. It's not what we might term experiential. It needs to be head, heart, and hand. Mm. It needs to be proven. Your faith needs to be proven by the fruit that you produce in the way that you live. And we see many Christians today, or so-called Christians, who say, I've prayed a prayer. I've prayed a prayer. I'm, I'm fine. And yet their life does not reflect that they have spiritual fruit, that they have a spiritual heartbeat. And we, we read that, obviously, in the parable of the sower, where there's all those different types of soil. And yet all, the only genuine soil is the good soil that produces mm-hmm. fruit. And so they're reacting against all the things that we react against today. And yet these Puritans are writing these wonderful books and ministering in uh, in times of great persecution. It, it was Charles Spurgeon uh, who said, by all means, read the Puritans. They are worth more than all the modern stuff put together. Now, mm. he was speaking way before we we lived when he was a, a pastor in London. But I fear that today, many of the Christian books that we have coming out were, were written drinking iced coffee in Starbucks. These guys in Puritan England, and then obviously all the spreading effects into multiple countries, including the US, were writing knowing that their faith cost something it could cost them their lives and you know many many were kicked out of their pulpits many were persecuted you mentioned bunyan he ended up in prison he was offered a way out of prison if he would just stop preaching and he said i'm not going to stop preaching send Mm. me back to paraphrase him but effectively they understood that the eternal truths of scripture were worth more than our lives obedience to god his glory is paramount in everything, even if persecution comes from the established church, like terrible men, the Archbishop of Canterbury, William Lord, persecution, let's put them in prison, let's execute them. Hmm. This is a dark time. And yet these men and some women, and there are books on Puritan women as well, but they stand as colossuses of the faith because of the way they stood for truth and they manifested what they believed in their lives. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. A pastor and an expert on the Puritans is with us, David Woolen, and the program is called Eternity Before Us. David, you've made a couple of little allusions to the negative side of the Puritans that was true. 
What what is true in criticism of them? We don't want to give the Puritans a free pass. We call sin sin. So that's that's our starting point. We're not interested in hagiography here and whitewashing the Puritans. There there certainly were weaknesses in in multiple areas um, in warfare and whether we consider Oliver Cromwell a Puritan or not, he was certainly in the Puritan era and confesses Christ. John Owen went across on the campaigns to Ireland, which were horrendous. But how much of the individual acts of the soldiers do you lay at Oliver Cromwell's feet? There are other minor uh, questions about the Puritans. You know, people say they were long-winded. These are minor things. But probably the one that comes up most is the question of slavery. Hmm. And we do know that uh, Jonathan Edwards had at least one slave. Now, I've heard uh, my colleagues here at the, the seminary say that he may have been the only one that we have a record of that had a slave. So it could be blown out of proportion. But at the same time, we can never condone that. Mm. However, we do know that the slave was treated well, and we do know that they were taken to to church. And we do know that Jonathan Edwards' son was vital in the getting rid of slaves. And so the seeds were being sown, even during the time of the Puritans, to to deal with these problems. But they absolutely have, have blind spots. But I wonder if that makes it a little bit easy for us to point our fingers backwards. Mm. And I wonder, I don't know, 400 years from now, if people will point the finger back at our generation Mm. on subjects like abortion and say, how did they react in that way? How Mm. did they not take this so seriously? And so whilst at the same time not dismissing the very real problems that the Puritans had, we need to be humble enough to look at our own hearts and say, what are we missing in our generation too? Mm. I must say, in talking to you, it reinforces uh, how delightful this DVD is that you've helped produce. Tell me about the DVD. Tell me about how you made it. Why is it so delightful? Uh, a DVD on history that took place in the 1600s. Yeah, it was a real pleasure to be involved in in the project. And uh, we had many different people uh, take part, very well-known cast who we interviewed. And then we got to travel all over the Northeast USA and the UK and the Netherlands and Belgium. This project was really an on-ramp to the Puritans so that people would, would see on a popular level their richness, their the beauty of their God. And those truths remain true today. And so I would encourage anybody, maybe even those who haven't really read history before, that we can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from their wonderful high points, their mountaintops. We can easily get into them. They've been made accessible by multiple publishers nowadays and obviously now through this movie. And you can get your teeth into the richness of these men who loved the Lord in difficult circumstances. This is as real as it gets. This is where the rubber meets the road. And so it's worth us looking back into history for all of those reasons. It's so so beautiful to see how God worked in that generation. And, and we can use that as motivation, knowing that our God remains faithful today and can use us in our generation too. 
Well, you certainly carry that through in the DVD that you've released on the Puritans. Would you lead us in prayer right now? Let's pray. Glorious God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your faithfulness throughout the whole of history, that you will build your church. And we look at different periods of history, and we see that you continue to do that. And Lord, we thank you for the Puritans. We thank you that they are fallible men and women like we are. And yet, Lord, you use them to your glory in that generation. Lord, we pray that you'll give us the the zeal of the Puritans, the love for you, the trust in your infallible word. And we pray, Lord, that in our generation that we would live for you despite the cost, knowing that nothing else matters but trusting you. Bless as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. David Woolen, who helped produce the... Uh... The Puritans DVD. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us a part of your day here on Haven today. Thank you for having me, Charles. The King of Love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine. Forever, where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth, and where the verdant pastures grow with wood celestial feedeth.
someone we've had on this program before, a Christian musician, Michael Card, and Star Kindler. This is Haven Today and a program called Eternity Before Us. I'm glad for the time that we had to spend with David Woolen talking about the Puritans. The new documentary that he helped produce was directed by Haven's very own Stephen McCaskill. You might remember he made the Luther and Spurgeon documentaries we've offered in the past. And this is his best film to date. As you heard David say a little while ago, this film was made to help you and me not only better understand the Puritans, but to enjoy the Puritans and their God. And what I really liked was between the beautiful shots of historical sites in Europe and colonial America, some of the most trusted Bible teachers and theologians of our day share how God used the Puritans in their day and how we can follow their example today. It's the kind of uplifting encouragement that we desperately need right now. Make your gift to the ministry, and we'll send you right away this double DVD set that includes the two-hour documentary, a bonus DVD with many extras, and a digital download. Our number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website, watch an extended trailer for Puritan, and you can make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And just before we have to go, if you didn't get a copy of Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly book, we still have copies in hardback as well as the audiobook for your gift as well. This book will help you like it's helped me to better understand the heart of Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. There's nothing like a little child riding anxiously in the back seat, so excited to arrive at the family vacation that the only question on our little heart is four words. Are we there yet? Over and over the question comes, and the answer remains, just a little longer, then we'll be there. David, in Psalm 6-3, wasn't excited, he was in deep anguish. He says so, and then he asks the question, How long, O Lord? Are we there yet? Anxiously waiting for deliverance, salvation. In a world marked by death, those who know the Lord carry a burden. How long? Until he rescues us. The psalm continues, The Lord hears, and he will deliver us in Jesus' name. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.